Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. We are going to be talking about something this week that we know has come up for a lot of people who are in job search mode. So if that is you, then hopefully this will be a helpful episode, whether or not you've come across this situation yet or not. And that is that aspect of job search burnout and feeling like I'm exhausted trying to find the next job. Like, is there even a job out there for me? And all of that kind of emotional roller coaster that that comes with job seeking. So, Pam, this has been coming up a lot, hasn't it, for your clients recently? Yeah, job search burnout is huge because people go into the job search and they they want the job yesterday. They want that job offer and they want to know that they've got that security of starting that new job. And that is, that's absolutely fine. And it's completely understandable. But I think what can happen is you can get yourself really wound up and overwhelmed with the job search and then find that it's not really going your way. Because what is happening is you start applying for jobs and because you're so wrapped up and overwhelmed in the process, maybe you're not tailoring your applications well enough or maybe you're getting to interviews and they can clearly see that you're not getting much sleep, that this process is overwhelming for you. So you're not giving your best effort but then you're coming across as close to burnout or a little bit stressed or it can even sometimes show up as looking a little bit desperate in the interview so it's really really important to when to take a step back when you're in that job search mode yes the the goal is to get the job secured as soon as possible but the quickest way to do that is to have a plan and to have some structure and to maintain a real positive attitude throughout that whole process. Now it can be tough because there's going to be rejection. People go into the job search thinking that they're not going to get any rejection, thinking that they're going to get the first, they're going to get offered the first job that they interview for, thinking that they'll send the CV off and get an interview for every application that they've made. And it doesn't always go that way. Now, because you're dealing with humans, there's so many things that are sitting in the background that you're not aware of that you can't dictate. So you have to go through the process with an open mind and you have to go through that process and make sure that you're in the most positive frame of mind that you can be that you are giving yourself the headspace to review these jobs and make sure that they're the right ones for you before you apply that you are showing them what you can deliver based on what they're looking for and you're going into the interviews feeling really fresh really prepared and confident in your own ability because lots of people 
think oh, I haven't got the confidence and actually you don't really need the confidence to start taking action but you do need to take the action you do need to have the plan and you do need to pace yourself and give yourself some space and not beat yourself up when it doesn't feel like it's going in your favor because there is a job out there for everyone if you need to get a job fast you can get a job fast it might not be your dream job but it could be a stopgap job. It could be a sideways move where you, you'll just take something to move out of a certain situation. But there's a job out there for everyone. And if you approach your job search with a plan and make sure that you've got that headspace in the plan, that you are working through a structure, that you are going through each and every application and interview and you've, you're keeping that positive frame of mind, you'll find that your job search is so much more successful and so much quicker. And when when does this normally kick in for people? Like when when do people normally get to this feeling of, like they've maybe approached it positively to start with, when does that, when does that change and what are the triggers for it changing? So what I found recently, so the, the job market changes all of the time. The way that you job search changes all of the time. And at the moment, what I've found, the thing that is causing people the most stress in their job search is working with recruiters. Because at the moment, recruitment is struggling. Recruiters haven't got as many jobs on as what they used to because companies are recruiting for themselves. So that there's, there's less jobs out there, but what's happening is people are getting ghosted by recruiters. People are getting questioned in all kinds of crazy ways by recruiters. And it's having a real knock on effect with their confidence. Because if you speak to a recruiter and they tell you you're great for a job and then they completely ghost you, you're like, well, why? What did it do? Did I not come across well? People are taking this then into their job search, into the interviews, into the next application, and they're really beating themselves up about it. So I think one of the key things that I've been saying to my clients who are, are getting stressed out and overwhelmed with the process is recruiters are in a situation right now that's, that's out of their control. They're trying to get the jobs on. They're trying to get the jobs on that are suitable for you because they want to place you. That is their goal. They want to place you. They want to make the commission. But at the same time, they are making hundreds of calls a day. They're trying to speak to as many people as possible. It's not always possible for them to keep in touch with you, for them to give you feedback, for them to get back to you regularly. Because for you in job search mode, you've got more time than them. But there's a lot of reliance on recruiters to, to get you those interviews, to do the negotiations and all of that kind of stuff for you. So I think it's just recognizing that at the moment, recruiters are also under a lot of pressure. So if you do have a bad experience with a recruiter, if you get ghosted by a recruiter, don't take it to heart. Just think they've got a job to do at the moment. It's particularly difficult and they are, they are doing their best. If their best means that they can help you get an interview, they can help you get a job offer, then that's brilliant. If you feel like you're hitting a brick wall with some of them, then just move on from them and do your own job search. And that is that is going to be the key thing. And at the moment, all of the live jobs or the majority of them are on the job boards or the company web pages on their career pages. So you can identify the companies you'd like to work for you can visit their websites they don't always post their jobs on the job boards like LinkedIn and Indeed some of them will just post on their company website and 
if you don't go onto their company website, then you're going to miss those opportunities. So you can create a plan where you're like, right, okay, so these are the companies I'm going to target. These are the type of jobs I'm going to be searching for on job boards. If it happens that recruiters are involved in that process, great. If the recruiters are helpful, then that's great. And if they're not, it's it's nothing personal and I'm going to keep moving forward. And I think that will be quite a revelation for some candidates because I know I had a conversation with a friend recently who was in exactly that situation. The last time that she'd gone through a recruitment process, that's exactly what she'd done. Like she'd registered with a few recruiters. She didn't really like look at job boards necessarily and that the recruiters were able to place her. And so it was a real kind of shock to her and to to you and I were kind of like, well, yeah, that's that's how the market is. But I think as a candidate, if previously you've always gone to recruiters and they've been able to place you, then you wouldn't necessarily know that actually that's probably less likely. You certainly can't rely on that. And certainly at the minute, a lot of in-house recruiters, as in people that are hiring managers, like not hiring managers, but hiring teams, recruitment teams within businesses are often operating in more of the way that recruitment agencies used to, as in they will search for and they will look for people with a relevant LinkedIn profile. So they will have the job on their company page or they might post it on a job board like Indeed, but they will also be doing more of that searching. So I think go back to the episodes that we did on using LinkedIn because that will will be a key part of how you can get yourself found by people that are looking for people like you. But I think that piece will be a bit of a game changer for people of realizing of like, oh, so recruiters aren't actually the be all and end all. And I think it's also important to, to kind of recognize as well what types of roles recruiters may and may not be able to help with. So what's been your experience of that? Like what kind of roles are recruiters still a really good protocol for and what might previously they've been great for, but now maybe you need to do a bit more of that work yourself? Yeah, so I think generally uh, across the board, it's, it's management roles. So recruiters used to be inundated with management roles and now companies are trying to recruit those roles themselves because they realize how expensive it is and in a cost of living crisis when their staff are asking for pay rises and all the rest of it the the easiest way to cut costs is to do your own recruitment and I think that's that's a really good point actually because when companies do their own recruitment the processes can be longer they can be more drawn out the interviewers might be less experienced, so it might not always be the greatest interview experience when you go through that process. And it's really about recognizing that and not taking any of it personally. So if you go into the interview and it, it's just like you can, you just feel like the interviewer is as nervous as you are, or maybe even more nervous, as one of my clients found out last week. And don't take any of it personally. Don't take any of it to heart. And it's easy for me to say that. But if you can 
kind of look at it from an outsider point of view and think this is not about me this is I don't know what's going on for them I don't know what's going on in in the background within a company and most companies those hiring managers are going to have multiple priorities and recruiting a new member of staff might not be one of those top priorities in that particular time period so I think if it's taken a while if they're not getting back to you, if the interviews aren't the best and you don't think they ask the best questions, you can you can kind of go, okay, I'm not taking this personally, but in the interview, if you feel like the interview is really nervous and not really taking control of that interview, then there's a real opportunity for you within that interview to, to tell them more about you, to ask questions and start to build that rapport. So if you can, you can really tell that that interviewer is struggling and they're asking you the questions and you're given the answers. You can ask them, is there anything else you, you want to know about that situation? You can ask them, you can ask them a whole range of questions about the team and, and things like that. And you can use it as a real opportunity to, to give them more information about you and what you can bring and what you can deliver and help to put them at ease, which will help them to see how easy it would be to work with you. And if, if you do that and the interview then becomes a two-way process, then that's where you're going to make that connection. That's where you're going to get that job offer. And so thinking about those situations then, so people that have kind of applied for jobs and maybe are kind of recognising now, okay, I need to do a bit more direct. But you said about job search involves rejection. So how do you suggest that clients handle that? Because that's not easy and kind of being ghosted is one form but actually being told no you haven't been successful is probably even more personal so how do you help clients to kind of cope with that I think with rejection it's always going to feel hard it's always going to feel tough and to a certain degree you're always going to take it personally and I think what you need to do is you almost need to kind of feel those feelings if you are rejected and that makes you feel an emotion if that makes you feel sad disappointed whatever it is if you suppress that emotion you're going to keep taking it through the process with you so it's about feeling that emotion what's coming up for you even thinking through the interview we always say about asking for interview feedback it's probably pretty pointless asking for interview feedback but you can go back through that interview and you can think about your answers and think could I have given a a bit more depth what could I have done differently could I have done anything differently if you come to the conclusion that no you couldn't what you've got to think is, okay, there's nothing I can take from this in terms of learning. And anywhere that you can take a learning from, anything that you can use to improve going forward is always great. But if there's no if there's no learnings, if there's nothing because you don't feel that you could have done anything differently, then what it's about is it's almost accepting that there's a reason in the background. You don't know, did they take an internal candidate did they click with somebody, somebody else? You don't know what happened. And because you're dealing with humans, it's almost like you've kind of got to go, right, okay, this wasn't right for me, but there is an opportunity out there that will be right for me. And you have to feel feel those feelings and almost kind of, I always think it's like leaning into those feelings, isn't it? And is there anything I can learn here? Is there anything I can take away from this situation? And then it's almost a case of dusting yourself off and starting again. And the quicker you kind of 
go through that process of was there anything else I could have done? What am I learning from this situation? How am I feeling? And then dusting yourself off and getting straight back into it. Because if you let those feelings of rejection keep weighing you down, then you're not going to move forward faster. You need to deal with them and keep moving forward. I mean, what are your what are your advice for, for dealing with rejection? So, yeah, I think probably similar. And I think it's that recognition often I've, I've found when people are going for jobs and they're not getting them in their heart of hearts, they didn't necessarily want that job, but they wanted to be wanted. Like they wanted to be successful. They wanted the, the boost of, and sometimes that's for very practical reasons. If somebody's not working and they're really keen to get a job, then that feels harder because it's kind of like, okay, I I was pinning my hopes on that because I wanted to be able to pay the bills. So there's, there's very kind of real reasons why people might want any job, but often my experience is that if you really kind of question yourself, the there's, it's not never, but often the job that you feel rejected from that kind of is stinging probably wasn't necessarily the dream job anyway. It probably was something that you wanted them to want you, but actually in your heart of hearts, you kind of know that it's not really the job that you wanted. And I think kind of it's important to allow yourself to to feel that and to to recognize it, but also at the bottom to kind of be like, yeah, maybe that is what's going on here. Maybe it's not that I thought this was the perfect job and that probably did come across and probably... I'm not the perfect candidate and actually that's okay. Like I, I'm not the perfect candidate for every job and not every job is going to be right for me. And that doesn't necessarily feel okay. It's not easy, but I think when you kind of start to detach some of the the logic and the emotion from each other and kind of recognize that, yeah, it still stings, but on a logical basis, was that the right job for me anyway? Yeah. And that's a really good point because one of the things that I do with my clients when they come to me, so most people come to me and they'll say, right, I I need you to help me because I've been rejected. My CV is not getting me any interviews. And then the ones where I do get an interview, I'm not getting the job offer. I don't know where I'm going wrong. So what I tend to do initially is go through, well, let's have a look where you've been rejected from. Let's see what you were applying for. Let's just think through what happened in the interview. And nine times out of 10, like it's exactly what you just said there. It's deep down, they knew that wasn't the right job for them. So they've not given enough depth in the answers. They've not given enough passion in the interview. So you do need to be realistic as well. Like you've you've got to be realistic. And I think it's absolutely fine to get into the job search process, to put out a few applications and start getting a few interviews in and going for those interviews, even if they're not the one, because it's great practice. And then when the one does come along, you might have had at least one other interview, maybe two or three interviews where you can go, right, okay, I'm I'm in the flow now. I've got all of those answers in, in the right order. And Another thing that that I always say to to clients as well is I I always feel like your brain's like a filing cabinet. So you, all of the stuff that happens in your career goes into the filing cabinet 
And then when it comes to an interview, they're going to ask you questions and you've got to go into that filing cabinet. Now, when you go into that filing cabinet, things aren't in the right order because it's it's not ordered in, in that particular way. So they're going to ask you questions. You're going to go to the filing cabinet and you're going to your brain's going to go through all that information. It's going to find the answer or the first answer it comes to. And then that's what's going to come out your mouth. Now, when you've prepared for the interview, you can bring those memories and those stories to the front of the filing cabinet. So it's much easier to find them. So as you're going through that process, you can do the same with the with the actual interviews themselves every time you go through an interview process every time you apply for a job you're asking yourself am I really demonstrating what I deliver am I providing the right stories do I need to dig a bit deeper in that filing cabinet to give some better answers and it's about being really really honest with yourself and rather than just going in lots of people just wing interviews because it's like well I'm good at my job I know what I can do And then they get into the interview. And when you go into an interview, most people will go into fight and flight mode because they are, they're nervous, they're anxious. They want to make a great impression. So when you go into fight or flight mode, your brain shuts down. So it's so much harder to pull those memories out. So if you've not brought them to the front, if you've not prepared well, then you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're almost like you're trying to think of the answers before they've even finished the question, which means you won't answer it properly, which means that you know you might go blank or you might not find the right answer. So the, these are all the things where you can you can ask yourself, what am I doing? How am I preparing? Am I going in and giving myself the best possible chance in these interviews? Or am I giving myself the time and space to read through my CV, compare it with a job description and make sure it's really clear what I can deliver in order to secure those interviews. And when you're going through your job search and you start getting into panic mode because it's not happening fast enough, you do need to just stop and take that time to think and to work through the process and ask yourself and dig a little bit deeper because you'll always find that there's an element you're rushing or you're not thinking through properly or you're not giving enough depth or detail around in order for somebody to make an informed decision on you but if you just keep plowing through that job search and keep doing the same thing over and over again and you're not getting anywhere that's where you need to to just stop be really honest with yourself and just have a real good look into what's going on I just love that filing cabinet analogy because I think that is so true. It's like all of your thoughts and experiences just get kind of shoved in the in the drawer. There's no reason at the time that you're kind of collecting those experiences to order them in any particular way. But when you come to job search mode, they have to be easily accessible, sorted. And like you say, you bring them to the front of the cabinet, then that's the thing that is going to come out of your mouth. And I think you're so right that people probably feel like, again, if you've been successful, and I know I've fallen into this trap as a candidate in the past, if you've been successful in your career and if you've been successful in previous interviews, you you do just feel like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I can wing it. Like, what are they going to ask me that I don't know? They, they're only going to ask me about my experience and my job, right? So then it kind of feels like, yeah, that's fine. And actually, you're just making that a, a taller order for yourself and for somebody then that maybe is no more capable than you, but has done that preparation, they're going to have those answers accessible and prepared in a way that is going to come across well when they're asked the question. 
one one thing that I think is really interesting when people get and I'm I'm speaking now from kind of an in-house recruiter perspective because that's more of what I do um, or have done that that aspect of when candidates are burnt out by their job search there's a real risk that when they show up they come across as wanting any job not this job and as as a recruiter I've seen that before and you're kind of like oh like I feel really bad for candidates because I can understand why it can happen but I think that is a a real risk when people are in job search mode and kind of getting rejected or finding it difficult to get the right opportunity that they can kind of come across as like you say kind of getting to that point of desperation but then they come across as I'm desperate for a job and it's it can be really hard to kind of unpick yeah but do you actually want this job or do you just want any job so how do you advise for clients to kind of get around that how how can people make sure that they come across in interviews as actually wanting this job not just any old job yeah, and that is that's a really, really good point because if you don't show that passion for their company, for their role in the interview, then you're probably not going to get the, the job offer. So what I do with, with my clients is I put something together called a competency matrix with them where we work on that together. And what we look at are all of the key competencies of the role and they start creating their stories around those competencies. And together we go through and make sure that the stories that they're using are real good stories that demonstrate what they will deliver, which then frees them up the time. So we do this fairly early on in the process. So we look at the jobs they're applying for and we start building the competencies. Now, if you're, for example, a marketing manager or a sales manager, then the competencies are going to be pretty straightforward. So it's your interview prep is going to be pretty straightforward because you can start thinking there might be eight or nine competency areas that you can start thinking through start bringing those memories to the front of the filing cabinet and start working through it. Now, what that does is when you then get the email through or the phone call that says you've got the interview, then what you can do then at that point, you've you've prepared most of your stories under the competency areas. You've then got the time and the space to really get into the company, to find out as much as you can about the company so that you can then demonstrate your passion for the company. Now, I've seen candidates go through the process and prepare all of their answers on the the competency matrix and feel really prepared. The interview comes in, they start researching the company and they think, you know what, actually this company doesn't really align, isn't really right for me. So they always come back to me and say, what would you do in this situation? Now, if it's a real misalignment, then usually I'd say, well, you need to think about if you were offered this job, would you take it? And if the answer is going to be no, then it's probably not even worth going for the practice at that point because you're wasting both of your time. But it is a case of making sure that you give yourself the time and space before that interview and not cramming the night before or on the morning of the interview to make sure that you understand the company, where they're coming from, what their mission is, so that when you get into that interview, you can really talk about, I'm here because my values align because my experience aligns because 
everything that you're working towards is something I really want to be part of. And if you can get that passion across in the interview, which the only way you'll do that is by really understanding that company. It's not just about going on to the About Me page or About Us page on their website. It's about doing some real digging. It's about finding out what news stories are out there on them. Talk to people who work for the company. There's loads of different ways that you can get a real feel and an understanding for the company, for the culture. And then when you're answering the questions, you can then show that passion, show how you align and give some real examples. I've spoken to a couple of people from the sales department and they absolutely love the culture and love all of the fun things that you do and the clear objectives and the great managers and all of this kind of stuff. And if somebody's sat in front of you at an interview talking through all of the great stuff that they found out from looking further than your company about us page, then you're like, this person has got the passion. This person has really wants this role and I can see how they align. I can see the effort they've gone to to find out about us and I can see their excitement for coming to work for us as well. And they're the people who get the job offers because they're the people who make the most connection who have that passion. Yeah, and I think that is great advice. It's so important to be at that point where you've got something to say about why do you want this job and you're not just kind of regurgitating generic stuff you are referencing what you actually know and what you found out and I think probably tied into that one of the things that we haven't really covered but I think is really important when you're struggling in job search mode I think there's often a temptation to keep applying for more and more jobs. And I think probably both of us would say it's quality rather than quantity, like find the jobs that you actually care about that feel like they could be and don't fall into that trap of just applying for absolutely anything and everything. Cause then you'll feel like you're being rejected even more, but actually you you're casting your net so wide that you then don't have that time and headspace to know about the company, about the role, whether or not that really could be the role that you actually want. Just before we wrap up, one of the things that I know is always a bit of a kind of like jaw drop moment whenever we talk to people about this within job search, fake job ads. Yeah. Like candidates do not know about fake job ads. And whenever any of us mentions this to people, of kind of like, yeah, you've probably been applying for fake job ads. People are like, what? (laughs) Come again. (laughs) So just describe what that is and how people can kind of filter that into their their kind of job search knowledge. Yeah. So fake job ads are the killer of most job searches because fake job ads are ads that recruiters are putting out there to fish for candidates because they want to get great candidates in. So they're going to put out some fake ads or previous ads that they've used to encourage candidates to send in their CV and apply for the role. So I'll come back to how you can use that for your benefit in a second. But in order to to spot the fake job ads, these are going to be the ones that are posted by recruiters that don't show the company name in most cases. Well, in fact, in all cases, there won't be a company name on there. 
there probably won't be a salary or there'll be a huge salary band or it'll be like 40k plus it won't give you an exact figure or or a decent range it will be very limited on information or on the other side of that it can have everything and anything in there so you're like wow there's this person like a magician so it's about using your judgment and going right okay is all of the information on here that I need in order to make an informed decision about this role now if it isn't nine times out of ten if it's posted by a recruiter it's going to be a fake job ad so how you can use this to your advantage because people can get so caught up with fake job ads applying and applying for them your cv will go into a database and will probably never ever get in front of the recruiter so you can Use it to your advantage and go, right, okay, who is the recruiter posting this ad? Who is who is there a name on there? Or is there is there a contact number? There's going to be something. There's going to be some kind of reference number or contact information on there. So get that information and get straight on to the recruiter. Give them a call and ask them about the position and ask them for more information so that you can make an informed decision. And if they've not got the information because it's they're not going to tell you it's a fake job ad, they're just not going to do that. But they might say, oh, that job's gone now, but we've got some other jobs. But what you can do is you can proactively ask them, obviously you're recruiting for, for these types of roles. Would you be willing to tell your clients about me? Would you like to see my CV? Can I send my CV over to you now? You know, send it over to their personal email address or their personal work email address. Get it in front of them. Even send it over while you're on the call. Can I just talk you through it? Can I just tell you about my experience? Let them see on the phone or if you can get on a Zoom with them or even face-to-face how well you come across so that you can then tell them what you can deliver, but then they can also see how you'll perform in front of their clients. So they'll be more likely to put you out in front of their clients, to send you out on mail shots or whatever way they're marketing to their clients. And then also you'll get to know, is this a job that I'm going to apply for? Or is this a job that is actually a fake job ad? And I'm going to use this to my advantage, speak to the recruiter and see if I can leverage the recruiter in any way. Can they help me? Can they tell me maybe what's missing from my CV? Can they um, put me in front of their clients? What else would they need to see on my CV in order to put me in front of their clients? Like there's loads of things that you can do there to take advantage of fake job ads, speak to the recruiter and make sure that your job search doesn't consist of you like one of my Previous client who, when he came to me, had sent off 235 job applications. And when we went through them, we went, I think we went through about the first 25 or so, and they were all recruiter ads. So at that point, it was like, right, okay, I think it's pretty clear here that the majority of these were going to be fake job ads. And that's why he'd had no bites. Changed his strategy. And within three weeks, he's got interviews lined up and he, I think he had the, a couple of job offers by the time we got to like week five and he had been plugging away the job search. He'd been applying and applying and applying and he was finding it so difficult. He was really burnt out. He was really stressed. And he said, his words to me were, I'm a broken man. <laughs> I'm applied for 235 jobs. I'm getting nowhere. And we turned that round in a really short space of time. And it was just by changing his strategy and just really looking at their ads to make sure that they were real jobs and where they weren't speaking directly to the recruiters. And I think it's so important that people kind of recognize as well that 
a that this happens and how it can be impacting because you kind of make it mean something about you when you're not getting bites on applications but actually see it from the recruiter's point of view because I think often people then like as a candidate kind of like that's immoral and they shouldn't do it and it's kind of like what they've been doing it for donkey's years but the reality is now that they haven't got as many jobs on the books they're they're going to get the jobs that are harder to recruit for that companies haven't been able to recruit directly they're going to go to recruiters for so the value for a recruiter is in having a database of great candidates now if you can make yourself memorable to the recruiter then when they get those hard to recruit jobs then you're going to be the person that they're going to think of so is how it works and once that instead of being frustrated or thinking that they're doing something wrong it's about kind of saying right okay I can understand why they're doing it what they're doing And I can see how I can make that work for me. So if you're in that kind of job search mode and you're finding that it is a challenge and you're not getting the results that you want, then Pam is literally the queen of careers. Getting people through to interview and getting the job offers is what she does all day, every day. So we'll put the um, link in the show notes to be able to um, book in. So if you are in that stage and you're kind of listening to us and going like, yeah, okay, I can figure out now some of where I've been going wrong, but actually maybe I need a bit more help with it. And Pam is your woman. So that's been, I would imagine, a real kind of eye opener for some people that are in job search mode. So if you have enjoyed it, if you found it useful, then please do rate and review. Let us know that you've enjoyed the episode and let us know of anything else that you would like us to cover. Our LinkedIn profiles are linked in the show notes too. And don't forget to go back to those other episodes on five mistakes not to make an interview and also on using your LinkedIn profile for job search. And we will be back again with another episode next week.